You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Hello, everyone. It's good to see you again. My name's Craig, and I'm your friend from Cross Culture. Today, we're continuing our Peacewise series, Getting Together on Lasting Solutions. And it's all about reconciliation. So before we begin, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please fill us with your spirit today so we can hear what your son, Jesus, is telling us today so that we can follow him and live in light of what you show us today. Amen. If we get angry every now and then, Does that really make us bad people? Of course, we're not perfect. But next to the worst offenders, we're really not that bad, are we? Sure, we get irritated every now and then and curse under our breath, but who doesn't? We get angry when people do infuriating things, but that's because of them. They did wrong by us, so it's their fault. They deserve it. Sometimes we might even feel like killing them. But we wouldn't actually do it, would we? I don't think so. So what's the harm in that? But what if someone said we're as culpable for the hatred in our heart as we'd be if we'd killed the other person? We'd think... Well, that's a bit over the top. If that were the case, what's the point? How is it even possible to change? He just makes me so angry. I feel like I could explode. So are we condemned to a lifetime of futile anger, conflict, and in the end, judgment? Today, we'll see that there is good news that Jesus shows us a new way forward in our disputes and a new way that he not only shows us, but makes possible in our lives. First, Jesus warns us, don't be angry against your brother. His message comes as part of a radical new teaching, both for his first Jewish hearers and for us here today. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus corrects and extends the Pharisaic teaching of Old Testament law with the pattern, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. He doesn't nullify, replace or alter God's commands. Rather, he establishes their true intent and purposes. Jesus shows us his authority as God when he says how God's people are to live out God's word. So we should understand Jesus' message today in light of his opening remark. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. All the law and the prophets point to Jesus And he fulfilled all their demands on our behalf through his obedient life. 
and here he shows his disciples and he shows us how to live in the new way of God's kingdom. He shows us that we must be perfect in the way of our perfect heavenly father. Yet none of us is perfect. But don't worry. Jesus will graciously provide our needs. So what is he showing us today? Jesus says in verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. This saying to those of old is not God's law verbatim, but the limited way in which the law was taught by the scribes and Pharisees. In the following but I say to you statement, Jesus corrects the Pharisees' teaching and reveals the penetrating implications of God's word. He says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus gets to the heart of God's command not to murder and its full significance in our lives. Anger, insult and malice towards your brother is committed in the same spirit as murder and likewise is liable to judgment. The anger Jesus refers to is not that which rightly rebukes a person's sin. Jesus himself did this when he referred to others as fool and you brood of vipers in reference to their sin. The anger he refers to is that which willfully is willfully hostile, hateful towards another human being. And it's so easy for us to slide from our righteous anger at sin to hostile anger aimed at another person with the intent to wound and to crush. This is at the heart of murder. God prohibited murdering another human well before the law because we are the one creature in the whole universe whom God made in his image. And so the one who is angry against another person is liable to judgment because from the heart he hates someone bearing God's likeness. God intends not only to prohibit the act of murder, but also the anger, insult and abuse that are committed in the same vein. God is concerned not only with our acts, but with our heart behind the acts. We haven't murdered anyone. At least, looking around, I don't think anyone here has. So if we're only concerned with the exterior act like the Pharisees, then we're doing okay. But how often has our heart seethed with anger at another person? How often have we cursed at someone under our breath at home, at work, or when some crazy person cuts us off in traffic? What about the husband? Who yells at his wife when he can't tolerate the nagging anymore? Or the wife who screams at her husband because he's done the same infuriating thing again 
and again and again. Sometimes our heart's problem is most clearly illustrated in children when they only have the words to blurt out the plain truth, I hate you, I wish you'd die. So God shows us that our hearts are corrupted by sin. Our hearts tend to anger, insult and abuse which are in the vein of murder. But inversely, I don't want to leave you with that. Inversely, the positive intent of the law leads us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour as ourself. Jesus shows us how to live, not according to the literal lowest bar of the law, but according to the unbounded, fullest way of love. A love that flows from our heart and extends to reconcile with the people in our lives. But we can't do this on our own. We need God's love for us. We need to know God's love for us. We need God's love to transform us and to restore our relationships. So ask God to penetrate your heart with his love, his word, and to transform you by his spirit so that we don't act in hatred and enmity against our brother or sister, but so that we love from the heart the people we have in our lives. Love from the heart the people we have in our lives. So if Jesus warns us against anger and hostility to instead love others, what should we do when we fall out with someone? What should we do? We see today that when someone bears a grudge against us, we are to go and be reconciled. Jesus says in verses 23 and 24, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. When Jesus says, be reconciled to your brother or sister, he's primarily referring to the community of believers. For his disciples at the time, that mainly meant the Israelites. But for us today, it means us who are in the body of Christ. But it won't leave it there. Don't worry, as we'll see, he'll broaden the scope. Jesus shows just how important reconciliation and peace are for his people. Let's look at the priority he makes. If your brother or sister has something against you, first be reconciled with them and then come and worship God. Whereas anger and hostility break apart relationships, Jesus shows that restoring unity is the way of God's people. Restoring unity. And since Jesus brought reconciliation between us and God, it's an outworking of his righteousness for us to restore right relationships with the people in our lives. Conversely, if we don't make peace with others, 
then it impacts our relationship with God. How can you worship God without inhibition and pray in good conscience when you have discord in your relationships, when there's division in the body of Christ? You know how it is when someone is upset with you. You've spoken to your spouse in anger and you notice that they're cold with you, removed and distant. Or you've had an argument with someone and they're upset with you. So when you cross paths again, you make sure you stay on the other side of the room. These things, they weigh on us and they play on our conscience. You can't enjoy your food properly. It becomes hard to sleep. You go to church and you can't sing wholeheartedly. You're distracted in your prayers because the arguments, they just go round and round in your head. Disputes cause divided heart and mind in yourself. That is anxiety. They cause division in relationships between people. That's enmity. And though you remain one with Christ, they, they cause divided devotion to God. Angst when you lose sight of your Saviour. Now it may be we like to think that your brother or sister is mistaken and you've done nothing to warrant them having something against you. Our pride, our self-deception will angle for this more than is truly the, the case. And we'll defend ourselves and we'll say that taking offence is their own mistake. But if there's any substance to Jesus' words, if there's any substance to what someone has against us, then the implication is that we've wronged them. In either case, we need to go and rectify the relationship with them. So if your brother or your sister has anything against you, if there's any grudge or bitter division in your relationship, Jesus says to you and to me, go and be reconciled. Go and be reconciled to your spouse, your children, your parents, your brother or sister in the body of Christ, and then come and worship God. Let's not come and perform ritual acts of worship in church while neglecting our relationships and carrying grudges. First, seek the righteousness of God's kingdom in your relationships, and then come and offer your wholehearted worship to God. So if Jesus first shows us to reconcile with our fellow believers, then here he widens the scope. And he urges us to come to terms quickly with others in broader society. He says in verses 25 and 26, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you were going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So here Jesus refers to an accuser taking you to court. It's an ethical example urging us, wherever it depends on us, to resolve conflict with people in all areas of our lives. 
The ideal is to address the problem at the lowest level possible, the most personal level, because this gives you both the best chance, it gives you both the best chance of a peaceful resolution. Jesus says, come to terms quickly with your accuser, in person, in person, before you arrive in court. Because if it gets to court, the potential punishment is that you'll be put in prison and never released until you've paid all the damages. The implication is that you won't get out for a very, very long time, if ever. For who can make money to pay the damages when they're stuck in court? Or for example, in the workplace, you're involved in a dispute with your colleague and they have something against you. In so far as it's up to you, come to terms with them quickly before they go to the supervisor and the supervisor to the director and you get fired. The personal cost to you and your family your finances and your mortgage will be immense compared with early reconciliation. And so we're to come to terms quickly with the one who accuses us. But the thing is, as we've seen, we're flawed and corrupted by a tendency to anger and insult. The way of pride will resort to defensiveness and hostility it will fan the dispute into flames with accusation and counter-accusation, leading to greater and greater relational damage. Irreparable damage if it's left to run its course. But the way of humility will listen. It will seek to understand the other person's needs. It will lay ourselves down for their good. We need humility and courage for the difficult task of restoring right relationships. We need humility. We need courage for the difficult task of restoring right relationships. So ask God for the humility you need to see things from their point of view, to admit your fault and to ask for forgiveness. Ask God for the courage you need to reconcile with your brother or sister and to restore peace with anyone you need to. In a world of pride and hostility, seeking reconciliation and offering forgiveness will reveal to others the glorious new way of God's kingdom and the love of Christ in you. but I don't want to leave us to do this in our own effort. Why not? Because we can't. We can only pursue the way of humility, courage and reconciliation by the grace of Jesus Christ enabling us to do so and at last bringing it to completion. Before I knew Jesus, I was filled with anger in my teenage years. I hated my dad for leaving our family. I was afraid of my stepmother's rages and I was hurt by my mum's critical and demeaning words. I would beat up my brother, yell at my parents, trash rooms, hit walls and break things. 
In essence, I showed the anger at the heart of murder that we've heard about today. But when Jesus saved me, he released me from this anger. He released me from this anger that had hold of me, which my family and I were immensely grateful for. So much so that when I was baptised, my mum voluntarily stood up and told the church, though she's not a believer, about the difference that God had made in this part of my life. She cried. I cried. Praise you, God, for your deliverance from anger. I still do get angry, but it's not like it was. And now I need the Holy Spirit to keep renewing me day by day to complete the work he begun. To complete the work he begun on the day that Jesus saved me. And he will do it. And that's what Jesus promises you. Salvation and the hope of complete deliverance. Though we still struggle in our flawed natures, the Spirit will apply the word that we've heard today to cleanse us of bitterness and hostility and to help us reconcile our broken relationships. And Jesus is faithful. He is our saviour who reconciled us with God. He will ultimately heal our angry hearts and he will fully restore your relationships with all who are united with him. And then we will glorify him in the complete restoration that he has won for us. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, penetrate our hearts with your love and your word and transform us by your spirit so that we don't act in anger and enmity with our brothers and sisters. Help us to love from the heart the people in our lives. When we have disputes with anyone, give us the humility and courage we need to pursue reconciliation with them. And please, we beg, establish your peace in our relationships so that all who see what you've done give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.